1: The volume. Just a reminder, you can catch me recording this podcast live on Amp. Amp is a new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store and make sure you follow me at John Middlecoff to get notified when I go live. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecock 3 and Out Podcast. Here's the deal. Went out with Coward, so if you listen to that podcast already, I I was going to... Before he asked me to come on with him like 24 hours ago, I just planned on doing a mailbag. So I just did the mailbag anyway. I was going to put it out on Sunday, but I thought, why don't we just put it up on the feed right now? So I did the podcast with Coward. A lot of football talk. Even a little live talk. This podcast... Just strictly mailbag, a lot of football, little real estate mixed in there. And that's the game plan. So podcast, multiple podcasts out right now. Cowards feed me and him BS and football. This podcast mailbag only at John Middlecoff is the Instagram fire in those DMS. You want to get some go low merch, go to the volume.com. Search the merch, buy a polo. You get 50% off a hat. Go do that. Swag looks good. Enjoy the weekend and uh, try to take care of you guys. So the the game plan is this. No podcast this weekend. I'll be back with the U.S. Open reaction come Monday, and we'll keep rocking and rolling. Anything else? I I think that'll do it. Mailbag only, at John Middlecoff, Instagram. Might have already said that. Fire in those DMs. That's how you get on this show. Let's rock and roll, baby. Before we dive in to the bag, here's what we got going on. Do you want to go to a game this summer? I'm thinking about going to an Arizona Diamondbacks baseball game. They happen to be one of the best teams in the league. I didn't even realize it until I checked the standings the other day. I'm going to go. Probably the next couple of weeks. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to go to my smartphone. Well, I've already done it, but here's what I need you to do. Grab your smartphone. Go to the App Store. Download the GameTime app. Fastest growing tipp- ticketing app in America. And the official ticketing app of this podcast, 3 and Out. When you sign up for a pair of tickets, had a buddy in the NFL. He hit me yesterday. He's like, I'm going to the Astros game. What do I do? Promo code John. Promo code John, J-O-H-N, $20 off any pair of tickets. Obviously, games, football this fall, concerts. I'm going to Morgan Wallen in a month. Boom, $20 off. Comedy show, boom, $20 off. Promo code John. Use it. Be there. Be square. I don't really think that fits here, but use the promo code. Greatly appreciate everyone that has. Let's start with JP on the mailbag. Hey, John. Started listening to your podcast, thanks to Coward. And so far, you're my go-to for NFL news and opinions. I like this guy. Do you think the Patriots with Hopkins will be in the discussion for winning the AFC East or going for playoff considering their top 10 defense? And Billy O is now their offensive coordinator? Well, it definitely wouldn't hurt. You add Juju Smith and Hopkins. I think they signed Gaseki right? Uh, we know they can run the ball. I think they would 100% be in the mix for a wild card. Hard for me to pick them to win the division. I think I'm going to end up going with the Jets. Uh, I think most people are going to pick the Bills. I talked to Colin; he's taking the Dolphins. So talent-wise, the division. Let's say they do add Hopkins, which I'm still a little leery of. You know, is Belichick Belichick going to give him 10 million dollars? Let let alone 15 that he wants with Odell Beckham. Now, does he ultimately end up getting that? Probably not. But the point is, he's not going to get nothing. Uh, I don't think it's a crazy spot to go. It's just going to be hard because four teams in the division are not going to make it. The AFC is really, really good. Uh, but yeah, if they maximize their offense, if their defense and special teams maintains that level of play. I mean, their special teams had some low moments last year. But you know what I mean. They could get to 9-8, and 10-7. And, and is that good enough to get to the 7th seed in the AFC? Maybe. I, I don't I don't think they could win the division. I don't even think their best case scenario, even if they signed Hopkins and their defense was like top five, I just don't think their offense would be good enough. And I just don't know if they're dynamic enough, even with their defense. It's a solid defense, but is it like the 49ers last year? I mean, are they going to have a 15-sack guy? Are they going to have a guy with... I, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily see them being dynamic enough to be to win that division, probably 13 wins. To me, if they maximize everything and they win ten and they go ten and seven, kind of like they did a couple years ago, in like the seventh seed, that'd be very, very successful. I think. I haven't even thought about it. I pr- probably, as I mean, as we sit today, I'm probably not going to pick them to make the playoffs, which is crazy. And I'm not some Belichick hater, even though I told Colin, listen, I, he's a little negative for my taste when things are going poorly. It's one thing if you're going to rip my ass, make me take pay cuts, and, and we're winning AFC East titles, we're in the conference championship game, we're in the Super Bowl. I'm playing with Tom Brady. Listen, I'll take it, and most guys did. But Mac Jones, Matt Patricia, that ain't going to fly. I discovered your podcast in the summer of 2020 after graduating from high school. I like the young demo. I lost my job because of COVID, and your pod got me through my commute to my other sucky job, so thank you for that. Are there any investing tips for a young kid about to graduate? I have money saved but hate seeing it sit in a savings account and watching it depreciate. Also, I'm celebrating my 21st this Sunday. Any suggestions on my first legal drink? Uh, thanks for the pod and go Ravens. Well, at, you know, by the time I was 21, I'd had so many illegal drinks. You just go with whatever. Your taste, your taste palate as a, as a young whippersnapper, I think evolves a lot in your 20s. And by the time you get my age, you kind of have some go-to drinks like I'm a Tito Sodas guy. If you if you don't have vodka, I have no problem going tequila soda. Uh, I, I can basically drink any beer. But I, I when I was young, I just kind of drank whatever was in front of me. Probably mainly beer and and Jack and Cokes. Jack and Coke was a go to. Was Red Bull Red Bull came really into you know I'd say hit 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 its stride maybe when I was older in college. I don't really remember. Maybe it was out when I was. Just got into college, but Red Bull vodka is another one. If you want to stay up, you know I, I like going to bed at like ten o'clock, so no Red Bull vodkas for me. But that's that's always a strong go to, especially your twenty first birthday. Um, I would just invest in the market. I, I wouldn't necessarily overthink it, unless you're a big believer in said company, right? And maybe some young up and coming companies, but even that, like I, I would just invest in the overall market right the the S&P 500 <laughs> that's what i would do if i were you just start investing in the market kind of from a uh, a more macro sense and then maybe you get older you got a little more firepower you can kind of pick stocks maybe there's a future facebook or a future apple in the next 5 6 years that you believe in cuz you use the product you know put whatever 10% of your you know your your available firepower into that but, but I would keep it pretty, just generic to start off with. Kind of dip, dip your toes in because hell, you you lose a little money. Let's just pick a. Let's just say you have five thousand dollars. All of a sudden, it goes down by ten percent. You know, it's it's hard to stomach. When I first got into investing, you start losing money, you kind of freak out, even though it only knocks you if you sell. Couple things for the mailbag. I created this profile solely for the mailbag i like you nick appreciate you so does uh meta and zuckerberg number two a couple weeks back you mentioned that the espn lineup of mike and mike svp and rosillo and the herd was the best radio ever you are uh the only person other than myself that i've ever heard talk about this lineup and i thought it was the best ever do you think people in the business bring it up I don't really talk to that many people in the quote unquote business, so I don't know. I just know as a consumer, as someone that likes listening to audio, uh, it was I, I. I wasn't the biggest Mike and Mike guy, uh, and for a lot of Mike and Mike, I lived on the West Coast, so they were over. You know, for when Colin was, you know, working for ESPN, if you were in Pacific Standard Time, I'm pretty sure he started at seven in the morning. So you kind of, I, I got into Colin as I like woke up. And then those other guys at the time were coming on at <clears throat> 1 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock. So I, I thought that back-to-back, The Herd, SVP, and Rosillo was just incredible radio. I mean, it, it didn't get that much better. Uh, it, it didn't get any better for, for me as a as a listener. During the time, ESPN was a staple in my house, but since then it has become unwatchable. ESPN on-air personalities remind me of the 90s WWE wrestling attitude era. It's filled with people that just trying to talk louder than their opponent with ridiculous hot takes. A lot of my friends feel the same way. Have you also come across this in your consumption of sports entertainment? Bring back the peace during your show outros. Uh, I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I think sometimes in this medium, when we're talking about sports, like from the podcast through you guys, I'd say ESPN's content comes up more. I don't talk to that many people about like, Talking shit about ESPN because he just we just don't even talk about them. We don't watch them. I don't. None of my friends are watching First Take. It's just not content made for me or the people I'm hanging out with. I was at the gym today, flipping channels, trying to find the U.S. Open, but it was on Peacock, so I couldn't even watch it on the gym's television. So I'm flipping around, and uh, I, I go just I see the guide, and I flip on First Take, and they're just screaming at each other about some NBA hypothetical. It's like, does, who wants this content right now? I just don't think Bradley Beal's moving the needle for my interest in June 15th. Is the guy even any good? I know he makes a lot of money, but is he even a winning player at this point? I believe no, and I'm not exactly Phil Jackson here. But I, it's just a lot of screaming at each other with basketball takes, which to me bores me. And I, I feel like a lot of the football stuff, i you couldn't pay me to consume their stuff. So yeah, I just maybe their content's just not that good anymore. I, I do I, I met Stephen A years ago and he was really cool. <laughs> I liked him. Uh I, I I like Stephen A. I like his whole deal. But I think a lot of people, the problem is they it feels like they try to copy him, right? He's making $12, $15 million a year. He's their highest paid guy. They just copy him. It's like, and maybe it works for some people. I, I would just I've always just tried to find my own voice. Just be yourself. But that doesn't really work on television. You will not get promoted. I have a lot of respect for Scott Van Pelt. He's just kind of in his own lane. He's not trying to be anyone else but himself. He's very comfortable in his own skin. I think that's why him and Rasilla were so good to each with each other. They're not trying to be others. They're just themselves. I think a lot of people that go on with Stephen A try to become Stephen A, and it just doesn't work. Big fan of the pod. One thing that is frustrating is when people, especially experts, talk about football contracts like their baseball contracts. As you know, it's not all guaranteed, so the AAV is misleading. Now, I'm a Giants fan, but I am not the biggest Daniel Jones fan. However, I do think they both met in the middle for that contract. It's essentially a two-year deal. They got a low-cap number, 21 this season, but they have to pay $45 million in 24, which I do think is too high of a cap number for the team to be successful with his talent. Agree. I haven't even looked at his contract details. If his cap hit is $45 million, meaning let's say the cap is 200 and I'll just pick a number $35 million. There is not a snowball's chance in hell. The Daniel Jones number is going to be 45. They will either extend them, mess with that contract. They'll do something, but he is, I'm with you. 45 is way too high. That's too high. If you got Mahomes. you it's hard to build a team that way. But if worst comes to worst, they can move off of him after that. Sure, they have a decent amount of dead cap in the third year of the deal, but it's manageable. Rams had to pay some of Goff's deal while paying Stafford. Jets are paying Zach Wilson $10 million to be a backup. So are the Niners. Believe me, I would love to have a better quarterback, but the narrative the Giants are stuck with Jones for four years and give him $160 million is just not true. I think a lot of people, and this gets back to the the screaming at each other on television, I do think the easiest content is just to hoot and holler why a deal's bad and then just scream the guy's overpaid. Or vice versa. A lot of players do the guy's underpaid. And they're like, ah, he's getting screwed. Where most of the time it's somewhere in the middle. Like my take earlier this week on Saquon Barkley. Has Saquon Barkley in a position to act like he's been getting screwed? 100% no. Is he a human being and wants a contract extension? For sure. But if any person on television goes, it's his time to get paid. Well, he's already been paid. It's his time to make generational money. He's already made generational money. If it's his time to get a contract extension, okay. But what's the proper number? Is he an $11 million player a year? Probably not. They're willing to pay him 10, but do they want to commit to three years after this season? One thing that's easier with a quarterback is if Daniel Jones just plays like he did last year, you can just function with it. If you pay a running back, let's say they gave Saquon Barkley four years, $40 million, and guaranteed 30. Well, if he got hurt again or is not the same player, you are screwed. You saw it with Todd Gurley, you saw it with Zeke, even to a lesser extent, you saw it with Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, really productive player. Not quite what he was a couple years ago, but you can he can score 10 touchdowns for you, he can catch the ball. But he's just, you'd like to pay him $7 million, not 14. So the Vikings just cut him. And it, it makes it you know, pretty complicated in when it comes to these players. With quarterbacks, it doesn't. Because if Daniel Jones is just a top 15 starting quarterback, and I'm paying him basically $80 million over a couple-year period, is it a little more than I'd like to pay? For sure. But can my team easily make the playoffs? 100%. I, I think that's the way they look at it. Now, I think we could argue with how they went about it, like if Daniel Jones had hit the market, if they had flipped it, or excuse me, if they had franchised Daniel Jones and let Saquon hit the mark, market, is someone paying Saquon Barkley like a three or four year contract? I have a hard time seeing that. Now, if Daniel Jones hit the open market, is anyone giving him $80 million over two years? Potentially, just because it's he's a quarterback and teams are desperate. Hell, the Raiders, who knows? Maybe the Raiders have been like, fuck it. Found your podcast on Collins' feed before last football season and have loved it ever since. You guys are too positive here. I know you've talked about being on the field with the Giants during batting practice during your radio days in the Bay Area, and your reminiscing of Madison Bumgarner coming out of the pen in Game 7, 2014, really resonated with me as it's one of my favorite sports memories. I'd love to hear your takes on baseball. Would you ever have the interest or bandwidth to do a baseball podcast? If only once a month during the season. Thanks. Love the show. I I wouldn't just because I'm not watching it. I just, I heard Colin say something recently and it really resonated with me. He's like, at this point in time in my life, I only have so much bandwidth to watch sports. And he's, you know, football guy, college pro, watches a lot of NBA. And then he dabbles in like UFC fights. Like for me, I don't watch nearly as much baseball. I don't, I haven't really watched baseball at all. I consume mine through like social media. Now the dude that the Reds just called up looks like Ken Griffey Jr. mixed with Tyreek Hill. I mean, that Cruz guy can fly. Now, can he hit the curveball and stuff? I don't know. I like baseball. I enjoy playoff baseball, but I by no means, I'll be honest, to me it is a very regional sport because if this was football, and the Diamondbacks are one of the best baseball teams in the in Major League Baseball this year. Like I listen, I, I don't like the Giants. I, I I'm a diehard Giants fan, but I'm down on them because I hate Gabe Kapler. Though I like some of the players on the team, and I I'm never gonna not. I mean, if they're good, I'll root for them. But I, until Gabe Kapler's gone, I, I miss Bruce Bochy, and as you can see, Bochy's killing it with the Rangers. Is that I, it's like I turn on Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks game and I get bored in five minutes. Where if it was the equivalent of like if the Suns were with Kevin Durant, one of the best teams in the NBA or the Cardinals, I could easily watch them. Something about baseball, it's like I, I can just watch my team or the Yankees or the Dodgers, but I can't watch random baseball teams. Like I, I just couldn't watch the Rangers Astros on my couch. Now, if I was there having some beers for sure, but I, I just don't like the sport enough. So I that's I wouldn't make a good podcast because I'm not watching it.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch garage and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with all state to save and get protected from mayhem like this bundled savings variant are not available in every state coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
1: When you're hiring for your small business, terms and conditions apply ebay motors is here for the ride you know what i remember about my first car is at the moment i got it i wanted to improve it because like most 16 year old kids you don't exactly get a luxury automobile so you look at it you go well i need to add some speakers i need to tint out the windows i need to make this thing the coolest car possible so i can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoying myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, Exclusions apply. Hey, John, not messaging you from my wife's account this time. I'm here to save you some boredom in this slow time. What is your opinion on the Pac-12 imploding and see you looking like they're going to the Big 12? And do you think Arizona University will follow? The Pac-12 just seems to have poorly managed for too long and it might finally bite them in the ass. Some schools may have to swallow their pride and rub elbows with the truck stop universities. Well, I mean, I got my start in football at one of those quote-unquote truck stop universities, right? Assuming that you're talking about the Boises, the Fresnos, the San Diego States, you know, the Pac-12 always look down upon them. And now you get a position where USC and UCLA looks down upon you. This all stems back to, it's not all his fault because in the Big Ten and the SEC, they care about sports more as a whole, as a conference. I'm not saying that Oregon doesn't care about sports I'm not saying that USA football doesn't care about football. I'm not saying that UCLA basketball doesn't care about basketball, or Arizona cares about basketball. But as a whole, as the conference, it's not even close. And when they named Larry Scott a former Harvard tennis player, the commissioner of the league, and he took the tactic, it'd be one thing, listen, if you named Roger Federer the commissioner of your league, and he was a diehard football guy, who cares that he played tennis? If he's all in on football, that's all that matters. Larry Scott was obsessed with the Olympic sports, which who knows if I, my children one day have a much better chance of playing one of the Olympic sports. And probably not even that because they're not gonna be that fast than they ever do playing at USC or Oregon, you know, playing guard or linebacker. But it's just basic economics to not put all your chips in the middle table on football. You're just a complete idiot. Like, I think you're a fucking moron. You are you're stealing and Larry Scott literally was making millions of dollars and the conference kept getting passed Uh, lapped in terms of the other conferences and it set them back too far and now it's over once you lose USC and UCLA I think their survival as a conference even if somehow they're able to band-aids together I didn't realize till the other day that the Big 12 is already in bed and in business now with is it BYU Central Florida Cincinnati and Houston so, they have 14 teams. So, would they add to get to 16? Do they add? Do they try to get to 20 and just try to be an enormous conference? Add Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah? That'd probably be my move. Because I don't see the Pac-12... If I'm Oregon and Washington, I would rather just try to get on the gravy train with the Big Ten. And I actually think it makes sense for the Big Ten to add those two schools than ever try to do some combination of San Diego State, Fresno State, Boise State. More money there. I view myself as their equal if I'm Oregon or Washington. Listen, I'm in Scottsdale right now. I wish Arizona State was good at stuff besides golf and baseball, but they're just not going to be. Their football team is just never going to be good. It's just not the case. And When I say Colorado and Utah, Colorado feels like a Big 12 team. Utah would seamlessly transition into there. I think we'll know by the end of the month, but I I think the Pac-12 is in major trouble. And I'm sad. I mean, I'm born and raised in Northern California going to Memorial Stadium for Cal, but I can't feel bad for Cal. Their university doesn't give a shit about football. Doesn't care at all. Stanford, who I think in theory cares, and they had a stretch there with Harbaugh and Shaw where they were consistently a top five, top 10 team, they were getting like five thousand people to show up. When Oregon or Washington is that good? Hell, when even when they're not, people show up. So I I, I think that Oregon, Washington now feel like outliers as a conference. And I, I'll be—I don't have any inside information, but I, I I would imagine Phil Knight's been brokering some back backyard deals, right, to try to get them in the conference to go with USC and UCLA because it's a sad day, man. But it's just kind of the nature of the beast. And you got to give Big Ten and the SEC a lot of credit. They were forward-thinking. The SEC stole Texas and Oklahoma. And the Big Ten st- steals USC and UCLA. Think how big those brands are. I don't care where you live. Texas, Oklahoma, USC, UCLA. Some years, they're, they suck, right? Some years, they're not a powerhouse in basketball or football. But every single person, th- those brands are so big. And both the two conferences... The Big Twelve and the Pac-12. USC football doesn't win the conference every year. UCLA basketball went through a stretch where they weren't that good. Kansas dominates basketball in the Big Twelve, right? Texas football hasn't been good in a while. It doesn't matter. Those are the two schools that you would want out of both conferences, and they got them. And it's sad, but if if I'm Oregon, I'm trying to with with Washington. You know, if I had to, if the Big Ten wanted Stanford, I'd uh, take them to, I, I'd screw Washington my rival, but sad days, man. Sad, sad days. John, first message, but I've been listening for a few years now. Just heard your segment on bringing guests on the show. Just wanted to say, I like your current philosophy. Personally, I listen to my podcast for the content and takes of the hosts and structure of their bread and butter episodes. I tend to not vibe with guest episodes as much as it breaks up what I come to listen for. Sometimes it's worth it. But I think it's an overplayed card by many. I would agree. That's why I don't do that many guests. I will have some guests. I think I'll have some pretty cool ones uh, over the next month. I have an idea for like a finance guest that I think would be pretty cool. But some former NFL players, potential Hall of Famer, another guy that's on a big-time team. Uh, I, have Aaron, I recorded one with Aaron Murray last week, former quarterback of Georgia who has a podcast on the volume Snaps. Uh, just talking SEC football, but I, I'm just doing it because it's kind of, this is the time to do that stuff. Absolutely nothing's going on. Plus, I can bank some interviews and go on vacation. But I hear you. that That's not going to change. My my podcasts from the start of football season till the till now are, are me. So it's what pays the bills. Trust me, buy a new house, bills are plenty. I'm sure you've gotten different iterations of this question, but I was curious is a big believer in having an offensive coach in today's league to take the next step, Chiefs, Rams, Bengals, which I completely agree with. It's largely why I believe the Bills haven't been able to make leaps despite having Josh Allen. Just an overall lack of focus on the offensive side of the ball. I'm curious if you think the pendulum ever swings back to a more defensive mindset to win championships, or if you think today's offensive-sided rules, it's no longer a possibility. Well, you have to have a defense to win a championship. Look at the best teams in the NFL last year. Look at like the final six. Cowboys, really good defense. Eagles, knocked Purdy out. 49ers, awesome defense. Think how good the Chiefs defense was down the stretch of the season and in the playoffs. The Bengals, awesome defense. Part of the reason the Bills kind of got worked. like, what happened to their defense? It is, you can have an offensive coach like Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid, Nick Sirianni, you have to put premium on buying defensive players, drafting defensive players, and coaching defense. Ultimately, the Eagles lost the, the Super Bowl because their defensive breakdowns, right? Their defense talent was easily good enough, good players at every position. They blew some coverages in the red zone. Andy took advantage of them. Mahomes, easy touchdowns. That was the difference in the game. So, as much as we all like offense, and I love offense, I love quarterbacks. Former guard in the wing T back in 2002. But that was a joke. I, I, It was a joke because I did play in the wing tee, but you wouldn't. If you walked by me, you wouldn't think I played high school guard, but I did. Quick feet, not really. You got to have a good defense. Now, are we ever going to see L.O.B. or the Ravens of one <laughs> or the 85 Bears? Like those days are over. But I, I have a hard time thinking that some team, like the number one offense and an average defense is winning. That's just not going to happen. Could be wrong because I don't have the stats up, but I I would imagine you've got to have a top 5, 10-ish defense to win a Super Bowl. Or at the time, your defense be playing like that. Like I think by the end of the season, the Chiefs defense was playing at a really high level. Bengals defense playing at a really high level. Eagles, Niners, Cowboys, really high level. (laughs) Just wanted to say I loved your take on Saquon. It's these types of viewpoints that make me understand the game better and provide, this is just... I'm, Sa- I, I'm not a Saquon hater either, by the way. I, I just think that no one else, I haven't heard one other person say, you know what? He's made a lot of money off the Giants. It's been a pretty lucrative combination for both sides. Saquon's be- had his moments of being a star and the Giants have paid him $40 million. It's it, it just, we, we turn so fast to this guy's getting screwed. And that to me, just, it's just not true. Okay, I'll, I'll end on this. Maybe I'll do a couple more after this. A follow-up to your mailbag question regarding the buy-down, the interest rate. A little real estate here. If a seller is willing to pay $20,000 in concession toward your interest rate, why wouldn't you take that and add the money to your down payment? Or does 20K also get spread over the monthly payment to the seller? Or is it more financially advantageous, smart guy here, to have a seller put the same money toward the interest rather than contributing your down payment? I hope this question is clear and let me know if I'm missing something. I live in Dallas and I'm a potential first-time home buyer and have been pricing drop and have seen the pricing drop somewhat significantly over the last 12 months. Still her learning the ins and outs of home buying. Well, if you're a lender, work at a bank, may I could be speak, speaking at a turn. I don't think you can turn, right, if I if we agree to a million dollars or 500000 dollars whatever the price point is. And you're going to give me 20, 30, 10, whatever number in concessions. I don't think I can take that number and put it toward my down payment. But even if you could, you wouldn't want to. Because as my lender was describing it to me, when you put every 10000 extra for... Maybe it changes based on your loan size. But for me, it was like an extra $50,000, 60000 50, Excuse me. Every $10,000. So if your down payment was $100,000 if I put $150,000, my down payment would basically every $10,000 over whatever I agreed to originally would only drop the monthly payment by like $50 or $60. So if I put an extra $50,000, my monthly payment would only drop potentially $275. Yet if I take that 50,000, 50 is a high number. You probably wouldn't do that in concessions, but let's just say the 20000 I put in concessions toward my interest rate that dropped at half a point dropped at over $500 a month. So when you do the concessions toward an interest rate, because usually if you have a $500,000 loan, an $800,000 loan, a million dollar loan, you start talking the difference of five, five and a half, six, seven, and you drop a half point. That is a substantial amount of money when you think about... It's one thing if you're paying interest 6% on $10,000. Well, think if you're paying 6% on $700,000. Substantial amount of differentiation in 5.5% to 6%. So it actually benefits you more in terms of your monthly payment. It's crazy because in your mind, he's like, you know, you'd be better off. He was mad. Like something happened in my loan, and I had to, instead of being 5%, I had to give 10%. And he's like, even giving that extra, you know, whatever I had to give, he's like, it doesn't drop your monthly payment that much. Your monthly payment dropped much more messing with the interest rate. It's crazy how it works, but usually these guys and you're dealing with the lenders, they they fire that off. Because in our heads, it's like, well, if I give you an extra fifty thousand dollars, doesn't that drop my monthly payment by like a thousand? Like, no, it drops it by, you know, two hundred and seventy-eight dollars. You're like, how does this add up? That interest rate, man. At what point does the title of pro bowler completely lose its value? Because for me, Tyler Huntley was the nail in the coffin. Uh, the pro bowl with the amount, I feel like when I was a kid in the 90s, if you made the pro bowl, it was like, oh, Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, Deion Sanders, Reggie White, like the top players that made the pro bowl that were not in the Super Bowl, Brett Favre played in the pro bowl. Ray Lewis, you name it, Jonathan Ogden. Now you look up, you're like, wait, this is Tyler Huntley versus Derek Carr? Because everyone drops out. And I think this is a reflection of, one, money. When you, If I'm a six-time Pro Bowler and I'm making $20 million a year and my team just lost in the second round of the playoffs, I'll take my family on vacation. I, I don't give a shit about going to Vegas and screwing around for a couple days. Maybe I do, and maybe I'll go. But a lot of guys clearly do not. So I think it's a combination of these guys are so rich, and the richer you get, the less inclined you are to do something you don't want to do. And a big reason they don't want to do it, the game's a joke. The, the game, it hasn't mattered in years, and now they play flag football last year. So I would say now. I've always thought all pros matter. I would have gotten to an argument. I said uh, last podcast that Aaron Rodgers was in a different universe. Than Drew Brees, and clearly a Saints fan, maybe Drew Brees' brother. Hell, maybe Drew Brees on a burner account slid into my DMs and was bad. He's like, "That is, you're that is so stupid. You are way off on this one." He's like, "Drew Brees finished second in the MVP to Rodgers in '11. Check his stats. Check his numbers." Here's my take on it. I, I no slight of Drew Brees. Drew Brees is a Hall of Fame level player. If I pulled every NFL coach. In the history of the NFL, Sean Payton included, and every general manager in the history of the league, and gave them a chance to go, would you rather have Aaron Rodgers in their prime or Drew Brees in their prime, both Hall of Famers, I think Aaron Rodgers would be 100% the selection. So if that is the way, like, we're nitpicking the best, right? The best of the best. Like, I can compare Tiger Woods... Ernie Els, great player, won like six majors. Like Tigers in a different universe than Ernie Els. That's not, Ernie Els is an all-time great golfer. All-time great. Like Drew Brees, all-time great. I understand that Aaron only has the one Super Bowl. And Drew, they have the same amount of Super Bowls. But I, I just don't see how anyone objectively thinks that they are similar players. It's like, well, Aaron's more talented. Yeah, Aaron's a better player. He just is. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. We'll end on this because I think this brings the two of them in as well. I heard a podcast question about the difference between Sean Payton and Mike McCarthy. I think the big difference is the organizations that McCarthy was with and Payton taking over traditionally horrendous organization in the Saints and making them into consistent winners. A lot of guys have won in Green Bay and Dallas. Nobody but Payton has won in New Orleans. I think that's a great point. So that would also probably, Aaron Rodgers, especially if he wins this year with Robert Sala and the Jets, dude could win with anybody. Sean Payton, if he were to win this year with a wash Russell Wilson and the Denver's all of a sudden a 9 or 10 win team, I, I think there's something to that. McCarthy gets fired. They bring in LaFleur. What has LaFleur done? One. Last year was a devastating year. What was their record? 9 and 8? I mean, so, I think Aaron Rodgers. Much, I think everyone would choose Aaron Rodgers over Drew Brees. Just like everyone would choose Sean Payton over McCarthy. I do think there might be some people that would choose McCarthy if you were talking to GMs over Payton, just because Payton probably bigger ego, more juice, would want be more difficult to like talk off the things he wanted to do. Like you know, Sean, we need a right tackle. Are we sure we want to give $50 million to McGlinchey? Can we get him to accept $32 million? Not 50. Do we have to give him $50 million? I get you want a right tackle, but is this good business? Even Coward. You know, Coward loves that McGlinchey signing. I just have one. And McGlinchey's a five-year starter for the 49ers who three of those years were in the NFC Championship game. So McGlinchey's a real NFL player. Just, you know, got some physical limitations that speed off the edge. Get your quarterback sacked basically once a game. But Russell can move, in theory. Maybe. We'll see if that comes back. Uh, Okay, I think that'll do it. My guy, Holst on the audio, James on the video. Got to give a shout out to people behind the scenes because they make this thing go. And no, we'll do no mailbag this weekend because we got golf on. You guys are probably at the pool with the fam. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy your life. It's the middle of summer. And yeah, we'll end on that. Peace. (laughs)